0: Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from a book called The Private Key to Heaven, written by Thomas Brooks, who lived from 1608 to 1680. He was the English nonconformist preacher and writer. Well, he's been trying to answer the objections that people have to private prayer. And the first objection, well, we're just too busy. And he's given five answers to that already. Let's see what the rest of his answers to that one objection are. Number six, it is either a duty or not a duty at all. Sixthly, I answer, closet prayer is either a duty or it is no duty. Now that it is a duty, I have so strongly proved, I suppose, that no man nor devil can fairly or honestly deny it to be a duty. And therefore, why do men cry out of their great business? Alas, duty must be done, whatever business is left undone. Duty must be done, or the man that neglects it will be undone forever. It is a vain thing to object business when a required duty is to be performed. Indeed, if the bare objecting of business, of much business... Were enough to excuse men from duty, I am afraid that there are but few duties of the gospel, but men would endeavor to evade under a pretense of business, of much business. He that pretends busyness to uh, evade uh, private prayer will be as ready to pretend busyness to evade family prayer. And he that pretends busyness to evade family prayer will be as ready to pretend busyness to evade public prayer. Well, sirs, remember what became of those that excused themselves out of heaven by their carnal apologies and secular businesses in the story of Jesus. I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go to see it. I pray thee, have me excused, said one. I have bought, says another, five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And I have married a wife, said another, and therefore I cannot come. Luke 14. The true reason why they would not come to the supper that the king of kings had invited them to was not because they had bought farms and oxen, but because their farms and oxen had bought them. The things of the world and their carnal relations had taken up so much room in their hearts and affections that they had no stomach to heaven's dainties, and therefore it is observable what Christ adds at the end of the parable. He that hateth not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, much more than his, his, his farm and oxen, he cannot be my disciple. By these words it is evident that it was not simply the farm, nor the oxen, nor the wife, but a foolish, inordinate, carnal love and esteem of these things above better and greater blessings, that made them refuse the gracious invitation of Christ. They refused the grace and mercy of God offered in the gospel under a pretense of worldly busyness, and God peremptorily concludes that not a man of them shall taste of his supper. Indeed, what can be more just and righteous than that they should never so much as taste of spiritual and eternal blessings, who prefer their earthly busyness before heaven's dainties, who, with the Ribbonites, prefer a country commodious for the feeding of their cattle before an interest in the land of promise? Private prayer is a work of absolute necessity, both to the bringing of the heart into a good frame, and to the keeping of the heart in a good frame. It is of absolute necessity both for the discovery of sin and for the preventing of sin and for the embittering of sin and weakening of sin and the purging away of sin. It is of absolute necessity both for the discovery of grace and exercise of grace and eminent increase of grace. It is of absolute necessity to arm us both against inward and outward temptations, afflictions, and sufferings. It is of absolute necessity to fit us for all other duties and services. For a man to glorify God, to save his own soul, and to further his own everlasting happiness is a work of the greatest necessity. Now, a private prayer is such a work. and Therefore, why should any man plead, He is busy? is great busyness when a work of such absolute necessity is before him. If a man's child or wife were dangerously sick or wounded, or near to death, he would never plead I'm busy, I have a great deal of busyness to do, and therefore I I cannot stay with my child or my wife. I have no time to do anything for them, to, to go and send for the doctor. No. But he would rather argue thus it is absolutely necessary that I should look after the preservation of the life of my child or my wife, and this I will attend whatever becomes of my busyness. O oh, sirs, your souls are of greater concernment to you than the lives of all the wives and children in the world, therefore these must be attended, these must be saved, whatever business is neglected. Number seven answer to this objection. God never intended your calling to displace private prayer. I answer that God did not never appoint or design any man's ordinary particular calling to thrust private prayer out the door. That it is a great sin for any professor to neglect his particular calling under any religious pretense, is evident enough by these scriptures. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread, and that you study to be quiet, and to do your own busyness, and to work with your hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. But if any Provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house. He has denied the faith. It is worse than an infidel. Yea, our Lord Jesus Christ was a plain, downright carpenter and was laborious in that particular calling until he entered upon the public ministry, as all the ancients do agree. And we read also that all the patriarchs had their particular callings. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Noah was a husbandman. The sons of Jacob were shepherds and keepers of cattle, and all the apostles, before they were called to the work of the ministry, had their particular callings. By the law of Mohammed, the great Turk himself is bound to exercise some manual trade or occupation. Solon, the Athenian politician, made a law that the son should not be bound to relieve his father when old, unless he had set himself in his youth to some occupation. At Athens, every man gave a yearly account to the magistrate by what trade or course of life he maintained himself, which, if he could not do, he was banished. And it is by all writers condemned as a very great vanity in Dionysius that would needs be the best poet. In Caligula, that would needs be the best orator, and in Nero, that would needs be the best fiddler, and so became the three worst princes by minding more other men's business than their own particular calling. But for a man to evade or neglect private prayer under pretence of his particular calling is agreeable to no scripture. Yea, it is contrary to very many scriptures, as is evident by the many arguments formerly cited. Certainly, no man's calling is a calling away from God, or godliness. It never entered into the heart of God that our particular callings should ever drive out of doors our general calling of Christianity. Look, as our general calling must not eat up our particular calling, so our particular calling must not eat up our general calling. Certainly our particular calling must give place to our general calling. Did not the woman of Samaria leave her water pot and run into the city and say, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did? Is not this the Christ? Did not the shepherds leave their flocks in the field, and go to Bethlehem and declare the good tidings of great joy that they had heard of the gospel and the angel that that there was born in that day in the city of David a Savior, which was Christ the Lord? Did not Christ commend Mary for that holy neglect of her particular calling when she sat at his feet and heard his word? And what do all these instances show but that our particular callings Must give the right hand to the general calling of Christianity. Certainly, the works of our general calling are far more great and gracious, more eminent and excellent, more high and noble than the works of our particular callings are. And therefore, it is much more tolerable for our general calling to borrow time of our particular calling than it is for our particular calling to borrow time of our general calling. Certainly, those men are very ignorant or very profane that either think themselves so closely tied up to their, uh, follow their particular calling six days in the week is that they must not intermeddle with any religious services or that, that think that their particular callings to be a gulf or a grave designed by God to swallow up private prayer in. God, who is the Lord of time, hath reserved some part of our time to himself every day. Though the Jews were commanded to labor six days of the week, yet they were commanded also to offer up morning and evening sacrifice daily. The Jews divided the day into three parts, the first for prayer, the second for the reading of the law, the third for the works of their lawful callings. As bad as the Jews were, yet... They, every day, set a part of the day apart for religious exercises. Certainly they are worse than Jews that spend all their time about their particular callings and shut closet prayer quite out of doors. Certainly that man's soul is in a very ill case who is so entangled with the encumbrances of the world that he can spare no time for private prayer. If God be the Lord of thy mercies, the Lord of thy time, and the Lord of thy soul, how canst thou with any equity or honor put off his service under a pretense of much business? That man is lost, that man is cursed, who can find any time for anything but none to meet with God in his closet. That man is doubtless upon the brink of ruin, whose worldly busyness eats up all thoughts of God, of Christ, of heaven, of eternity, of his soul, and of his soul's concernments. And number eight, the more busy we are, the more we need prayer. Lastly, I answer, the more worldly busyness lies upon thy hand, the more need hast thou to keep close to thy closet. Much busyness, lays a man open to many sins, and to many snares, and to many temptations. Now, the more sins, snares, and temptations a man's business lays him open to, the more need that man hath to be much in private prayer, that his soul may be kept pure from sin, and that his foot may not be taken in the devil's trap, and that he may stand fast in the hour of temptation." Private prayer is so far from being a hindrance to a man's business that it is the way of ways to bring down a blessing from heaven upon a man's business. As the firstfruits that God's people gave to him brought down a blessing from heaven upon all the rest. Wet is no let, wet, uh, that is, pausing the harvest to sharpen or wet one's scythe is not a hindrance, but rather a help in completing the work quickly. Wet means to sharpen, let is to hinder. Wet is no let. Prayer and provender never hinder a journey. Private prayer is like to Jacob that brought down a blessing from heaven upon all that Laban had. Private prayer gives a man a sanctified use, both of his earthly comforts and of all his earthly business. This David and Daniel found by experience, and therefore it was not their great public employments that could take them off from their private duties. Time spent in heavenly employments is no time lost from worldly business. Private prayer makes all we take in hand successful. Closet prayer hath made many rich, but it never made any man poor or beggarly in this world. No man on earth knows what may be the emergencies or the occurrences of a day. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Every day is, as it were, a great-bellied day, that is, pregnant day. Every day is, as it were, with child of something. But what it will bring forth, whether a cross or a comfort, no man can tell. As whilst a woman is with child, no man can tell what kind of birth it will be. No man knows what mercies a day may bring forth. No man knows what miseries a day may bring forth. No man knows what good a day may bring forth. No man knows what evil a day may bring forth. No man knows what afflictions a day may bring forth. No man knows what temptations or liberty or bonds or success... Good or bad. Therefore a man had need be every day in his closet with God that he may be prepared and fitted to entertain and improve all the occurrences, successes, and emergencies that may attend him in the course of his life. And let thus much suffice for answer to this first objection. The next objection will be, We are servants. We are servants. What is that? What kind of an objection is that? We'll find out next time. Thank you so much for attending today. Please look around my site while you're here. I've got literally thousands of audios featuring some of the church's great preachers. Persecution stories from North Korea in English and Korean. Bible studies on a number of subjects. A blog. And then if you want more, go to one of my books at Amazon.com. Contact me at bob.j.falkner.72 at gmail.com. And I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting. That's for men only. But we have a Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. Be glad to have you at one of those. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released On the 24th of March, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.